Welcome to the Reading for Success podcast, brought to you by the Success League. This podcast focuses on books, articles, and other resources for customer success, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not it's worth your time. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, my name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Reading for Success. I'm also the CEO of the Success League, a boutique customer success training and consulting firm based in San Francisco. There is so much content out there on various customer success and leadership topics. So this podcast is intended to cut through the clutter and provide you with outside ideas on leadership to support your customer success career. Let's jump right in. Today's article is called Beyond Silicon Valley, How Startups Succeed in Unlikely Places by Alex Lazarow. This article first ran in the March and April 2020 issue of Harvard Business Review, and you can find it on their website, hbr.org. This article is at heart really about how startups based outside of Silicon Valley have advantages over startups, both in non-tech centers in the US and other emerging economies. The author talks about how organizations outside of Silicon Valley focus more on balanced growth, on solving quote-unquote real problems, what I might call essential problems like healthcare, food supply issues, or education challenges, and on leveraging global talent market. The author's take is that early-stage companies who aren't based in Silicon Valley have some advantages that will result in long-term growth and um, really an advantage over those unicorns that are here in Silicon Valley. Uh, This article zeroes in on I think, um, the most important tech markets outside of Silicon Valley. So as you think about how this might be related to customer success, if you have a startup based in one of those emerging markets, either inside or outside of the United States, you'll be encouraged by this article. The last part of the article focuses on companies with globally distributed teams and the advantage of having remote teams. So right now during COVID-19, this is an especially important conversation and one that I know a lot of customer success teams are having. So I think that's another um, way that this article is really related to customer success in in my mind. Uh, Some of my key takeaways from this article were that companies can create success outside of the tech bubble we've created here in Silicon Valley. Honestly, when I travel for work, one of the things I really look forward to is seeing billboards on the side of the road that aren't promoting tech companies. If you live in the Bay Area, you know what I'm talking about. Um, All the way up and down Highway 101, it's weird that our billboards are all about Salesforce and data storage companies and who has a booth at Dreamforce or the Oracle Conference or whatever. And this article argues that there is tech success outside of the little bubble that we live in here. I'm so excited about the premise that distributed teams can work, and this is um, a big part of of the article as well. Um, It was written ahead of the current COVID-19 pandemic, so no one was really thinking that way when this was written, but the author looked at what tech startups in secondary and emerging tech markets were doing, and they called it good. So now that we're in the midst of a pandemic and seriously considering next steps, It's great to have a model of global early stage companies to follow into this new remote employee world. Um, The other thing, this is more of a PS than anything else. um, I thought the artwork for this article was fantastic. So this was um, props to Ruben Wu, who is the artist. It's kind of a desert meets halo effect and it's very nice. Um, Is this article worth your time? If you're a CS leader who is considering the pros and cons of a distributed workforce right now, I think this is a great article for you to take a look at. 
I think it's also a good article to share with your CFO or CEO if you're trying to make the case for a remote team, either distributed or located in a secondary market. If you have clients that are considering whether or not to go remote with their teams, this would also be a great value add type article to send to them. With that, I wanna move on to our book. Today I'm continuing my review of the Customer Success Professionals Handbook. Um, this is Ashvin and Ruben from Gainsight's book. I'm talking about chapters nine through 12 this week. If you're reading along, the next episode I'll be wrapping things up with chapters 13 and 14. But here's my review for this week. So what is this section all about? Chapter nine is really all about health scores. They go into various models for creating and using health scores, including some of the factors that could go into a health score. Chapter 10 is about the voice of the customer and along with that tech touch strategies. Um, so this is about collecting feedback from your customers and then gives you some models for different tech touch workflows. Chapter 11 is about helping customers achieve business goals. So this is things like managing adoption, building a success plan, and working with your product team. And then finally, chapter 12 is about driving revenue growth. This is creating an executive sponsor program, managing at-risk customers, using churn customers as a data source to drive improvement, managing expansion opportunities, and driving advocacy. <sighs> that was a long list. Um, there is some great content in this chapter, but it is clearly a mishmash of the topics that did not felt fit elsewhere into the book. So, um, and they're all just kind of happen to be loosely tied with revenue, but you could probably argue that for anything. So this is a very hefty chapter topic wise at the end. Um, so what do I agree with or what did I like about this section? I think in chapter nine, there's a really great case study called Health Scores in Action that is written by Aaron Siemens. And it covers some of the pitfalls of what I would call gut feeling health scoring, as well as some of the things to look for to identify risk. This case study also highlights that just as customers evolved, your health score should also be evolving. In my opinion, this case study is the best part of this chapter, although people who are newer to health scores might find some additional ideas. I also really liked the case study that is in chapter 10 called Prospecting for Gold by Stephanie Berner. She talks about how she teaches her team to mine for gold nuggets in the feedback that they get from customers and provides three really great examples of the nuggets that different members of her team uncovered and how they used those. This section is incredibly practical and will give you great ideas on using customer feedback. The other part of chapter 10 that stood out to me is the series of tech touch workflow examples on pages 155 through 163. You should always modify samples like these to fit your own organization, but all of these are solid and will give you great ideas for things to implement if you're running a tech touch program. In chapter 11, the section on success planning provides a great overview of the process as well as a nice visual on page 174 that lists the common pitfalls you'll run into as you start setting goals with your customers and also talks about how to overcome those. This part of the chapter is full of very practical advice and I really liked it. Um, on the last chapter, chapter 12, there were really two favorite parts for me. The first was a list of common myths related to risks and escalations. I see these in play all the time when we're working with our clients. Um, thoughts like, oh gosh, if I say a customer is at risk, I've failed as a CSM, or maybe I don't need to tell anybody about this at-risk customer and I'll just try to fix it on my own. 
those run through every CSM's mind at some point or another. And I think I really liked that the authors busted those myths on page 187 and 188. My other favorite part of chapter 12 is the section on expansion. The authors took a risk here and got real about the fact that most CSMs own some aspect of expansion revenue and need to have opportunity pipeline management skills. They give a really good overview of the pieces of data that need to show up in a pipeline report. Not everyone in our field thinks that CSMs should be involved with anything that smells of selling, but the reality is we're all in sales across the company. So CSMs need to understand how to uncover and manage opportunities. So what did I disagree with on this section? I think my biggest disappointment with the chapter on health scores was the large section on NPS or the net promoter score. I would argue that for most companies in B2B, which is the target market for this book, NPS is a vanity metric. Yes, it is still important, but it is important because investors like to look at it, not because it gives you actionable or even significantly accurate information about the health of your customers. And when I say NPS, I'm talking real NPS, not using NPS as a kind of catch-all for customer satisfaction. That's a broader term. So NPS, um, here's why it bothers me. First, most NPS surveys are sent out randomly at specific points during the year or once a year, and they usually aren't related to anything a customer has done with you recently. So you're kind of catching that survey recipient at a random point in time. And at that random point, if they happen to be willing to take your survey, it will be more impacted by whatever else happens to be going on in the their world than how they feel about your solution because it isn't tied to a specific touch point. And also because it isn't tied to a specific touch point, you have no way of taking action on that data point without gathering additional feedback from your customer. Second, NPS was designed to manage brand loyalty in B2C companies with hundreds or thousands or millions of customers. Customer buying, consumer buying decisions are really different and they're a lot less complex than business buying decisions where things like cross-functional decision-making and putting your professional reputation at stake come into play. When B2B companies with a statistically insignificant number of customers rely on NPS to measure customer loyalty, they're putting a lot of faith into a number that represents only one person's perspective inside a complex decision-making process. I will say some companies do NPS really well, and I don't want to say that it never works, but I just don't see it being particularly useful in our field in most cases. Clearly, this is something I have a strong opinion about, so I'll leave it alone for now. Um, if you ever run into me at a cocktail party and you want to get me talking, this is the topic. Um, my other frustration with this section of the book was in chapter 11, and that was uh, the chapter on helping customers achieve their business goals. The author spent the first seven pages focused on product adoption. And now I'm not saying that product adoption isn't related to business goals. It absolutely is. My problem with this part of the chapter is that adoption is the first thing the authors talk about before success planning or goal setting or any of the things that should drive the kind of product adoption that matters to that particular customer. All of us in CS know that customers use our solutions differently. For one customer, having a whole bunch of users might be a strong sign of health, but for another customer, having just one super user may be an equally healthy sign. Some of this can be addressed with segmentation, but ultimately, until you understand a specific customer's business objectives, you don't know what it will take from an adoption standpoint. 
I wish they had swapped those two sections because some of the actual content on adoption is solid, notably um, the list of considerations on pages 168 through 169. So is this worth reading? So aside from my two pet peeves, I thought this section of the book was the best so far and generally very practical and actionable. CSM should read the entire section, maybe skimming chapter nine because they just need to understand how health scores work, not build them. Uh, leaders should focus on chapters 10 and 12 where there are some valuable pieces of advice to incorporate into your CS program. I think CS ops people will find the tech touch portion of chapter 10 and the expansion revenue section of chapter 12 helpful in thinking through the structures of those parts of their programs. Next week, I'll review the last two chapters of the Customer Success Professionals Handbook, that's chapters 13 through 14. These two chapters are specifically directed to customer success leaders. If you'd like to read along, you can find this book on Amazon. Um, since this is a brand new podcast, if you like it, please take a couple of minutes to rate it and subscribe. You can also email feedback and ideas to me at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at thesuccessleague.io. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.